to the promise this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. Enjoy that special. Amen. It's not easy to stand up in front of people and perform as it may look, especially as I told my wife this morning, ministry. And uh, you may look calm up here, but just like a caged animal. Because every time you step behind the pulpit, you're taking your life into your hands and the destiny of the people. For one word off is the devil's kingdom. Now, after years after years, you have to trust God that you will not make a mistake to the people. Uh, let me make an announcement first. I don't know whether PA all right or not. I guess I can't hear it too good. September the 19th, uh, I set 6.30. That makes it a little early on Saturday night. That's a Saturday night. At 6.30, we have Brother Alan Price is going to come and minister for all. We could say young people, but everyone is invited. Since he's a younger ministry, but, uh, we'll just say we're going to have a Saturday night service, and Brother Alan Price will be ministering for us. Uh, we would like to have some refreshments, so I don't know who we can look at, girls. Uh, maybe finger foods, not just a whole bunch of meal and whatever more. Finger foods, so it would be easier to clean up. We could have pizza if you want to go that way. We can order that. Uh, basically, chips and pizza, finger food sandwiches, drinks. So someone keep that in mind for Saturday night, September the 19th. Uh, we'll put out a few pamphlets and see if the other churches in Roundwood might like to come and visit with the younger people. Amen. Uh, Daniel, you want to set my volume back there? Check it for me real quick. It seems like I got a real echo. I don't know whether it's what's going on this morning. I think it's just time. We have been looking at, uh, if you want to put the drawing up there, uh, David, we've been looking at, this is the subject on the golden censer. And the golden censer is basically representing the Day of Atonement. And we're going to look, that's, uh, put the feast up there, the feast of the Lord, that's the tavern, there you go. I was laying in bed last night, so I, I turned on, we went south somewhere. And Perry Stone, I think he was on a video and since I'm on this subject, I just seen a subject there. Uh, he said, Pentecost, a feast of trumpets. So I punched on it and listened to it. And he was in Israel lecturing the crowd. And he was on this subject from Pentecost, feast of Pentecost, to the blowing of trumpets. Where are we in the church? He understood now that we was under the feast of Pentecost. Everybody understands that. As far as the ministry is concerned, John Hagee, all the books understand that. And we've been under the, this Feast of Pentecost for 2,000 years. That's where we're at today. We're under the Feast of Pentecost. We find in here that we're going to read some scriptures to give you the types. We find in here there's going to be a secret rapture. That rapture is actually between the Feast of Pentecost and the blowing of trumpets to Israel. 
We also understand that the last three feasts, I call it the three feasts of the seventh month, that will be fulfilled under the sixth seal and the seventh trumpet by two prophets, Moses and Elijah. That will be pertaining to the Jewish remnant, 144,000 of chapter 7 of the book of Revelation. The Gentile church, when the rapture takes place now, not as many people preach this, but he that is filthy will be filthy still. The fullness of the Gentiles is over. He that is basically sanctified will be sanctified. Those that are filled in a rapture will go up in a rapture. The foolish virgin or the church stays here and goes through the tribulation period of 1260 days while two prophets are fulfilling the last three feasts to Israel. To make it interesting, you'll notice, as we said before, these feasts are the feasts of the Lord, are designated appointments, designated time slots that God is going to meet Israel. And if you study the feast in detail, it was required that every male go to Jerusalem three times a year, especially then for the last three feasts of the seventh month. All the symbolism, all the words are giving you God's plan of redemption, bringing you to the end. So this morning, we are sitting somewhere between the Feast of Pentecost, that's what we're under, and the blowing of the trumpets. But the question and the mystery is, how is the Gentile bride going to rapture, seeing that the last three feasts is for Israel only, but the Gentile bride has to come to the statue of a perfect man of 1 Peter, to be able to, which we're running in Second Peter now, they have to be able to come through the last three feasts and meet actually the Day of Atonement where the sin question is settled for us once and for all. And now the tabernacles over here represents the millennium and the rest of God's people where the prophet said that we were at now. The brother Branham, when he preached the message of Feast of the Trumpets, he placed the Gentile bride under the Feast of Tabernacles now spiritually. He said, you're resting under the seventh seal. So we understand that the seventh seal, which is a mystery to the world and even in the Bible, the seventh seal is to be made known between the Pentecost and the blowing of the trumpets by two prophets to bring to pass to a Gentile remnant the same benefit and completion that the two prophets brings to the remnant of 144,000. So this is where we're at. So we see a peace treaty signed this week of Israel. It is a stepping stone to basically the rapture. I could go into it backwards and preach frontwards, but I'll give you the notes. You can read them. God is now moving across the land. This stone is moving across the land, especially of America, because we rejected our message in this hour. We rejected a prophet that God sent. So we're seeing these plagues basically touch everything except those who are in what we call the message of the hour or in type in the other tabernacle or in the holiest of all, which I call our Goshen. There's light in the evening time, and we understand, I put you the quotes in your uh, lesson, where Brother Bram said, not one lice, one flea, one plague, one frog, one anything touched those who were in Goshen. These plagues will strike everyone except the very elect. 
He also said these viruses that's poured out will not touch those who had the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So what we're doing is seeing a showdown now between the Pentecostal ones who under law think they have the Holy Ghost but do, do not. They think they understand the season but they don't understand the word in season. They are sanctified and they even recognize the prophet, but they do not recognize the voice behind the prophet. Therefore, separating the wise and foolish virgins, both sons and daughters of God, except by election, there is a remnant or a bride that is set apart in the holiest of all. And for a period of time, we'll get into the for a season now, there's an appointed word for them, giving them protection and guidance just like a, in a shield. Bringing the fulfillment spiritually to them as the last three parts of the feast to Israel that puts them into the millennium immortal. So the seventh seal will contain three parts, a shout, voice, and trump to us, which will bring us basically to immortality. This is where we're resting at, and this is what we're looking at. But I want to uh, read some scripture, then I want to just read a prelude. I put... Uh, a prelude before your for the text in your notes, and I've done that on purpose just to read and then go into the sermon. But it might be better if I read the text to give you the type that we're looking at. So we're looking at Revelation chapter eight, which it tells us that the seventh seal was open in heaven, and there was about twenty minutes or thirty minutes of silence. Uh, so let's read that in Revelation eight one to. We'll just read to five. That brings us to the opening of the sixth seal or beginning of the squeeze. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Now, this is not easy for just the common mind to receive it. This is for the elect. The book of Revelation is only to those who have the ability to understand and hear. Now, if that's me, fine. If that's you, fine. If it's not, we'll, we'll just look at it. This word's on paper, and it doesn't mean nothing to us. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Now, those trumpets are to Israel and Israel alone, but they sound down the seven church ages as a trumpet that's already sounded. Now we're coming to the seventh trumpet because the seventh seal has already been manifested to the Gentile bride. So the seventh trumpet will be these last three feasts that you're looking at under two prophets will be the seventh trumpet. Now watch. Verse 3, and another angel came and stood at the altar. Watch the symbolism because we're going to go back to the type in the Old Testament in a few minutes. Having a golden censer. Now there's your key because the golden censer was only used by the high priest on the day of atonement. So there's the key. He could have said uh, in the time of the incense offering, which that would have not been too much for us. But he gave you the golden censer showing us that it was the day of atonement. Not just when the priest goes in daily. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. So we're talking about a time of climax. The time of opening of the seventh seal when all the prayers of the church is presented for its final commitment to God. We're coming down to the close of the Gentile era. Uh, and verse 4, and the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. 
This also speaks of the seventh seal in the time of the atonement for the Gentiles. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices uh, and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake, which we looked at an Alaskan earthquake, which was the opening of the seventh seal or the beginning of the tribulation, which is represented as a squeeze to the Gentile before it moves into the tribulation for the final three and a half years. You say, well, it's a squeeze, it's not the tribulation. It is not. But it is the beginning unfolding of the sixth seal because it comes in layers. One plague, another plague, another desire, another plague, right on down, one step at a time until it comes to complete tribulation where the complete church, every Christian will be hunted just like your vice president nominee uh, stated that if they won the election, they were coming after every Trump voter because we are the problem with America to start with. It is the mark of the beast coming in. We see it. It's right in front of you. America, this very minute, is under the worst depression that the world has never known. You say, well, I'm doing all right. Just think of all the billions and billions and billions of dollars in the economy that is lost by one football game. Shut out all of them. How many trillions of dollars are lost? Shut out all your sports and colleges. How many millions are lost? God is going through this stone that's cut out of a mountain, is going across America, squashing and tearing down every idol. He's throwing down every idol. He's smashing them. Sports, travel, foods, entertainments, bars. Every idol of Satan is being stripped down to the ground. Amen. That is only the beginning of sorrows. It will grind down until America, those that are left here under the sixth seal, uh, it's, it will be so bad that no need to even taking time to even explain it. Our minds couldn't even handle it. The American mind and the young people's minds are not even being able to handle this period of time of slowly shutting things down because basically I always said the, the problem or the, will be greater, the cure will be greater than the problem. And you're seeing more people die of the cure being locked up. They're committing suicide. Drug addiction is increasing. Crime is increasing. And now all you hear on the news is basically peace and safety in the cities. Rioting, running, looting. America is being looted. Every city will be looted, stripped down, until everything that you see will just be walking, cataplectic movies that you see it all heading to the midsection here, getting out of the cities, and it'll be just a war zone. That's only the beginning. It's checking up time. Are you in Goshen? Or are you still wandering around out here trying to find the door? I believe we're in Goshen. I mean, there's light in Goshen. And yes, you'll see. And we thank God. There's no one in here got sick yet. That don't mean we're special. That don't mean we're nothing except elect. I honestly believe 
that I have preached that God is our protector and He is our provider. If I get nothing out of the gospel outside of that key revelation to Abraham, I believe that. You will see in this time the elect will be prospered. Some of you will see you're making more money now than you've ever made since you've been a Christian, basically. And everybody else is losing their job and living off of the government. I hope they send out another $3,000 stimulus check and send me another one. <laughs> I might as well get a part of it, too, because it's it not worth nothing anyway. People said, are you sp uh, saving your money? I said, I'm saving all I can and spending all I can. Because our time is up. We recognize our day and its message. We are shut in. So I want you to notice that Revelation chapter 8, the text we read, the symbolism, is pointing to a time or the day of atonement, basically. And it is the finishing up of the plan of God. It is the climax of the last three feasts, God's appointed time, God's calendar. And Israel is God's calendar. As I said a couple of weeks ago, if we follow the feast and follow Israel, you'll be able to almost tell within the month exactly when the rapture will take place. Now, I know people go berserk on that, but if God made the appointed time and His Word does not fail, when the Feast of Trumpets comes, the prophet said the bride goes up, two prophets come down, they blow the Feast of Trumpets, which will be what? Signs, miracles, and wonders to attract the 144,000. they got to have an attraction. I believe they'll have a first, second, third pull. They'll have a shout, voice, and trump. Everything will be in threes and sevens, threes and sevens. And they'll close up the heavens and call hail down and judgments on different nations. And it will be pretty evident that Israel is now protected and she is separated. We're looking for the battle of Armageddon and it will come. It will come. At the end of the Feast of Tabernacles, we go into basically the uh, millennium. Battle of Armageddon comes, and then, uh, then basically God comes back, Revelation 19, with His bride for the climax of all things, and brings it all things down to an end, and we'll walk right out on the ashes of the wicked and set up the millennial reign. That's the kingdom. This is where we're at. We're in the final stage of it. In Leviticus 16, I put that in your text also, which is the type Watch the language now, because it said, And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and shall make an atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. The atonement, or the day of atonement, is what I call an eptical season. It is very unique. It is special. It is one of a kind. It is the pinnacle point of all seasons. That represents when people realize that the sin question has been satisfied or God satisfied God's justice by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice that dealt with sin. The sin question is settled. Now then, will you believe and accept the answer for sin by faith? And be identified with Him in water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that is identification. So as long as you're identified with the sacrifice, it is counted to you for righteousness. Now, I know all these phrases are hard to understand, but we are not innocent as Adam was. We're not innocent. We know that we've done it. 
We, we know how rotten we are. There's not one good thing in us. We're not trusting in any of our goodness or any of our good deeds, no matter how good they are. We're only trusting one thing. God accounted to us righteousness by faith. We have been declared righteous, which means what? You never done it in the first place. In other words, the sin goes back to the original one that done it, which was Satan. It started in heaven, but it come down into the garden. All sin goes back up on Satan. This is the hour. This is why he's ri- ripping it wrong and deceiving everybody that he can. It's coming down to the end. He recognizes the times and the season. Verse 12, Aaron shall take a censer. Now watch the same language as Re- this angel over here in Revelation does. He takes a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord. His hands full of sweet incense beaten small. And bring it within the veil. And he shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord. And the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat. That is upon the testimony that he die not. He shall take the blood of the bullet. Sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. And before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times. Which speaks now of the seven church ages. That has their portion of the word of God. Or their portion of the gospel revealed to them. Through the seven church ages. We've told it over and over. Luther had a measure of the word. That was a result of the sprinkling of the blood. The revelation only comes through the blood. And you have to be in that season. There's a word in that season. Our season now is not Luther's day. Now we can look at the word that Luther brought forth and it's wonderful. He preached justification. He preached all these things. Election. Sovereignty. He was, a, he was a scholar. But see, we're not under that season. And that word won't do us much good today. We're not under Wesley legalism anymore. Even though we carry that doctrine right on with us over into Pentecost. We're still carrying, carrying it, trying to carry it right on into what we call the message of the hour. Are the holiest of all. But remember, you cannot carry your own righteousness in the presence of God. The only way that you can go into the presence of God is a revelation of the blood. So as long as you're under legalism and think that you're going to get righteous and go somewhere someday, you've already missed your time in its season. We'll get to it just in a few minutes. I believe that we're locked in a, a realm. Many people call it the bride age. If we've been called out of the church ages, then there has to be a time slot between the rapture and the coming out, or what we call the exodus, like in type Israel. And in between that time, it's like a, a protection, a zone. God fed His people, watched over His people, took care of the enemies and everything else. Except those that didn't believe, complained and argued, whatever more, and He had a way to kill them off. All right. So this is where we're at. I'll give you a, basically a prelude. Let's go back to it, and we'll read it slowly and look at it. Because you see now that Revelation chapter 8 and Leviticus 16 is talking about blank, pointing to the Day of Atonement. The sin question has got to be settled. Once the revelation that your sin question has been settled, you will never be the same again. You will cease from your own works and your own labor and all this nervousness and worry. Am I in? Am I out? Am I going up? Or am I going down? Or where am I at? You've got to settle the instrument. I am elected. 
My name was in a Lamb's Book of Life. And God has identified me by allowing me to hear the word in this season. And this is not the Pentecostal season. This is a mystery. Right between the two is called the seventh seal. That seventh seal is an appearing of God himself. Coming to Revelation 10, 7. Which is 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, a voice, and a trump. If you put it on a vo- in a drawing, if you've got three here, trumpets, day of atonement, and tabernacles. You have a shout, voice, and trump. Three, three. Both of them are doing for one group what the others are doing for another group. So in shout, voice, and trump, you have a, a message, a shout of revelation. Then you have a voice of resurrection, and then you have a translation or immortality, which takes you into the millennium rest. Typing, trumpets, day of atonement, tabernacles. Are you following now? Once you're in the tabernacles, we can preach a whole sermon that in the tabernacles, they went out here and built a little booth. Took some limbs and water more, built a little booth, left over so they could see the stars. And the great thing of that, for seven days now, They sat there, and they didn't lock up their homes. They didn't protect their cattle. They didn't protect their stores. They weren't afraid of looters. They weren't afraid of thieves because God said, nothing will harm anything you got for that period of time. (laughs) We've got to wake up one of these days. We are absolutely being identified as separated people. Amen. Praise God. So what we're looking at is the golden censer or the incense offering made on the Day of Atonement. I'm just reading. You can follow me as you want to read it there in your notes. It's a prelude. Made on the Day of Atonement. And we have read now in Revelation 8, 1 to 6, which ties us to Hebrews 9 that we went into the lesson two weeks ago. Leviticus 23, which speaks of the process of the high priest. And Leviticus 16 now, which is speaking of the Day of Atonement. We see that the seventh seal is pointing us to the Day of Atonement, which is at a appointed time for the Gentiles and also for the Jews. All right, we realize that the Gentiles accepted Jesus Christ as their atonement for sin. But they did not accept Him as the atonement in His fullness. The Jews didn't believe in Jesus as a sacrifice. The Gentiles, according to the Apostle Paul, they would not come on to perfection or the full revelation. So there's never been any group in the seven church ages, which types these seven feasts here. No group or no portion of the church ever have accepted Jesus plus nothing. We went through it about 25 sermons and showing that the blood is the complete thing. It's always Jesus plus something else. Brother Branham said, now Paul was asked the question, what must I do to be saved? Now, young people, listen carefully. You've got it made if you just listen. What must I do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you and your house shall be saved. You say, that's good Baptist doctrine. That's good Baptist scripture. Baptist has salvation down to the T. But you can't stop with just being saved now. (laughs) There's a process there. To be saved, what must you do to be saved? You must believe and confess with your mouth. 
that Jesus was the Christ. He was the Messiah. He died on Calvary, willingly, giving up the ghost. God was satisfied with the shed blood that brought death to the person. So death was the price that was paid, and the life in that blood answered because of the life of God. When his justice was satisfied, what Adam put us in, when God was satisfied, he quickened that soul that was preaching down here to the others in the lower regions. He quickened that soul and brought it back to the body, picked up the glorified body, and appeared in the garden. Don't touch me. Why? Because I have not yet ascended to the Father. In other words, I'm not completed yet. Think of how supernatural this is. This is not a story, friends. Just think, this actually happened. This is absolutely real. You've got a man beat to a bloody mass. They put him in a cave. They put a stone in front of him. And now they see two angels, two men robed in white, said he's not here. They see someone that they think is a gardener, and it was the Messiah himself. They didn't recognize him. He didn't look the same to them. And he said, I have not yet ascended to my father. He goes to the father and said, now come back and touch me. All right, God has now accepted that sacrifice. Now that glorified man walked along the road, appeared to him, talked to him, opened up. I believe he opened up the understanding of the Feast of Tabernacles. He opened the feast to the apostles and showed that he was the fulfillment of God's purpose and plan, bringing salvation to mankind. What must I do to be saved? You must confess with the mouth, believe in the heart, confess with the mouth that Jesus Christ died and God raised him from the dead for my justification. Did you get good on your own? Well, I believe that story. Did that change you into a holy person? No. I'll tell you what it is. When you believe the Word of God and put it in your mouth, it will not do you one ounce of good. You can go to church all your life until you confess out of your mouth that I am a believer, that I believe that Jesus died for my sins, God raised Him for my justification, and I have received the witness of my faith by receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Like Brother Branham said, when you go to the water, if you don't receive the Holy Ghost, then there's something wrong with your faith. In other words, you didn't take the right faith to the water. Many people get baptized hoping they'll get something. No, you get something before you go to the water. What do you get? You get the revelation that the Word of God is true and the law of confession works for me. I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. I go to the water. What must I do to be saved? Repent. Change your mind about how you see Jesus as the sin offering. It goes right back to the revelation of the feast. He was the Passover lamb. He was the unleavened bread. He was the first fruits. And now he sent back a witness of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, proving that God had accepted him and now had accepted you by giving you the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now what must I do to be saved? You've got to change your mind about Jesus Christ. 
He is the complete answer for sin. There's no other answer. There's no good works. There's no law that will do anything for you except bring condemnation. Law will make you a hypocrite. Come on. Because you say, well, I believe Brother Branham and don't believe that the Word of God has been fulfilled. You don't believe that the angel of God or God himself has descended and opened up the seals and called your name that was on the book. You can't see the shout without being a part of the voice. Come on now. When you hear the shout, that Holy Spirit has identified that your name is in the Lamb's book of life. Praise be to God. John the Baptist come forerunning the first coming of Jesus. He said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Who are you, John? Are you Malachi 4? He said, No, I'm not Malachi 4. I'm Malachi 3. I'm Isaiah 40. Jesus come along. He didn't have a miracle to identify himself with. Jesus come along and identified John the Baptist that he was the greatest up until him. He was the forerunner. Jesus identified Elijah. That same one identified Elijah in this age too. The Elijah identifies the believer. Because those that heard and identified the believer, those one that believed John followed Jesus. And those that heard the voice in this hour followed the revealed word of God. Because the man, the messenger, the voice, he's gone off of the scene. He didn't do nothing. William Branham didn't do nothing. He was no more than a man. He was a prophet. He had a ministry, but he was an instrument. He's moved off of the scene, but you're still here, and God's still here. The one that he revealed and pointed you to is the one that you're following. We'll get to it in Aaron's rod. Still in the holiest of all. There's a whole climax in the holiest of all. So everything is pointing us to the day of atonement which is an appointed time for the Gentiles. It was a secret silence. They're still wondering about you will find no fundamental church that can tell you what the seventh seal is. They say, well, there's silence. Jesus didn't talk about it. He talked about the first six, but he didn't say nothing about the seventh. Then how are we going to know? Well, the Bible said that God himself would come down with the open book in his hand, which has names in it. Now, my name is either in one section or another section. Everybody's name's in the book of life if you're here. But there's a group whose name's in the section called the Lamb's Book of Life. How do you know if I'm in that section? He sends you a word in season. Not a word out of season. We're not going back to Pentecost. That word won't float. Moses is not going to float us down the Nile. So you've got to recognize what season you are to recognize what word should be coming forth in that season. If God is here and the seventh seal is open and we're already placed on the Feast of Tabernacles, what is people preaching about going back to Pentecost? Why are they preaching about your sins here and your sins there and sin, 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 sin when it's already been settled? It's already been revealed to you. It's already thus saith the Lord. you never done it in the first place. Come on, church. And the bride should have a, this joyful relaxation and worship under the seventh seal. Praise be to God. 
So what you're seeing here in Revelation 8, the seventh seal, we're looking at the prayers accumulated in the holy place now, which is seven church ages. The holy place is where the candlestick was. The candlestick represented seven church ages of the church. Bringing now out of this holy place, moving us into the holiest of all now. Moving us into an allotment of the Word. Moving in out of this season into another season. Time into another time. Times and seasons. That's the reason you hear me saying, well, I don't believe this back here. I preached this back here. Twenty years ago, I believed it right here. We preach legalism. Some of you heard when we preach law. Get to the altar every week, over and over and over. But as we grew and recognized that we had been in an exodus, come through a third exodus, following a pillar of fire. Come on now. The leadership of the Holy Ghost. We followed Him into the holiest of all. We followed Him into a revelation of the open book, which is Christ opening Himself to you, revealing that you were a part of Him. <laughs> if your written epistles read of all men, can do you follow me? Your written epistles read of all men. Every person is a sign. You say, well, I don't see no sign in that person. Maybe you can't read the sign. But if every person is a written epistle, being read of all men, and God doesn't write anything except about himself. And he said, don't you know that you are part of him? You're bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. The marriage has taken place. You are the body of Christ. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the very genes of Almighty God. You're now sons and daughters of God. And adoption means he places you out here under headship of his presence, identifying you as his bride. Praise be to God. Now, when that confession comes out of our mouth, then by his stripes we are healed. Amen. We got perpetual health in the presence of God by the hidden manna, Aaron's rod, and God's presence brings perfect health. There's immortality in the message. There is. Watch now. So he's bringing the prayers of all the church ages. This is, the, this is what's going on. This is what's transpiring. Now it's being offered up in the presence of God, representing the day of atonement. I can place a, our atonement basically when it was preached. was an invisible union where Brother Bram said, this is my Thanksgiving message to you, little church. You've never done it in the first place. You are the sinless, virtuous bride of Jesus Christ by the shed blood and believing the word being revealed. You've never done it in the first place. It's not laid to your charge. That's thus saith the Lord. That was... Thus saith the Scripture, he quoted you Scriptures, which is, Thus saith the Lord. The followers of this end-time revival, they drifted off in everything, charismatic movements and everything else, but there's still a group following the leadership of the Holy Ghost in the form of a pillar of fire, leading us to the millennium or to the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. <laughs> 
So in Revelation 8, 1 to 4, is dealing with this climax and the finishing up the will and the plan of God or the completion of the purpose of God or what Paul called going on to perfection in Hebrews chapter 6. They are not just daily prayers. This is not me praying in a prayer closet in the morning, Lord, help us through this day. Thank you for this and uh, help me understand that and whatever more. Daily prayers. This is not the daily prayers, but it's the prayers and the groaning of the church for 2,000 years. What did Paul say? Oh, I longed to see that resurrection. I, I really like to be a part of that resurrection. I would sure like to understand Ephesians 1.17 when the spirit of wisdom comes, when the pillar of fire comes back to duplicate the ministry of Jesus and the Son of Man here on earth, God manifesting Himself in the flesh. Boy, I, I would long to be here at that time to be a part of that resurrection, for that resurrection to take me to a great resurrection or that change in my soul taking me to a glorified body. See, we're moving out of one resurrection into another, into another, into another, faith to faith until we're glorified. If you absolutely understand that you have been justified and you're righteous, you are in a process of a seed moving towards immortality in your body right now. Come on now. Because if you are justified, that means you have already been sanctified. And if you're sanctified, that means you're a candidate to be filled. If you're filled, you're already sealed. If you're sealed, you're already in. That's the reason he said not one. Can you imagine God having a bride here, dressing us in the Word of God, taking headship of it, and let every disease and every devil and everything else plunder and rip her garments and everything else? No, no, no. He is our protector. Glory to God. When are we going to walk up and say, there's not a disease germ touches my body in the name of Jesus? Come on. Well, Brother Gregor, what if you go down and die? Well, I'll just make a shortcut to glorification. That's all I can say. I just wasn't ordained to live, but I believe I am. He didn't tell me. He didn't give me a promise I had to die. When I was 35 years old, I preached the same thing. I believe I got a message to live. Come on now. I've preached body change. I've preached rapture now for almost 40 years. And the longer I preach it, the clearer it gets. The clearer it gets, the more real it gets. Like I said, if you can't see it, you can't talk about it. Wait a minute. So all these prayers are gathered. And this takes place under the seventh seal. Now this was my prelude to preach the sermon, so it's all right. The seventh seal opens in three folds. Now this is a repeat for the young people more than the older ones. The seventh seal opens in three folds, or three stages. This is set forth in chapters 5, chapter 8, and chapter 10 of the book of Revelation. Chapter 5, you'll find out that this lamb comes from an intercessory seat from church ages, and he comes and takes a book that is on the right or in the presence of the throne of Almighty God. Who's worthy to take this book and go through it? The bloody lamb comes and he takes the book and in chapter uh, 6 he opens the seals in heaven. And then in chapter 10 we find out it is represented that it comes down to here. So each chapter, 5, 8, and 10, each represents a fold or a stage of the opening of the seventh seal. Which represents times and seasons that we call church ages. Designated Philadelphian age, Lutheran age, Wesley age, right on down 
to today. Seven ages. You could go to almost any commentary and find it. So we notice now that each chapter that you look, you see a fold or a stage of the seventh seal being revealed. And it shows three stages involved in its opening and its revealing. Remember, it is opened in heaven and must be revealed here on earth. You say, well, why do you need a prophet? I need someone to tell me by a ministry and a gift that only a prophet can see and hear what's going on in heaven. I don't need a prophet to tell me how to live. The Bible tells me how to live. I need a prophet to tell me what's going on in heaven. You said, why do you say that? Because Amos the prophet said that surely the Lord God will do nothing here on earth until he reveals it to his servant, the prophets, first. In other words, when God does something, he confirms it up here or looses it up here. Whatever you bind in heaven shall be bound on earth. Whatever you loose in heaven shall be loose on earth. In other words, you cannot loose something here on earth that has not already been loosed in heaven. You can't bind something here on earth until it's already been bound in heaven. Then the revelation here on earth is only after the fact that it's been taken place in heaven. Only when the open book was open in heaven can the open book be revealed that it's open here. So the, our revelation here is basically after the fact that it's already done. So it opens in heaven. Then we find Revelation 10, 1 to 7. He brings it down here to earth, and then it sounds forth here on earth and revealed. All right, follow down. So each chapter shows three stages. I got all this written down, which is not important. <laughs> you, can get, you can get carried away with symbolism. All right, 1963, the prophet knew something had happened. If you follow his ministry, sermon by sermon, he knew something had happened. And he preserves this as a time, and he knew by the one who came to him, that angel of the Lord, that pillar of fire, that voice that he understood, he knew by the one who came to him that the seal was opened. He always said, is this a change of my ministry? He always looked for something different. Was he the one? Was he the one spoken of in Scripture? And it seemed like he had a hard time pinpointing himself, which anybody would, basically. But always pointing you to Scripture and to the fact of what God was unfolding. Which we understand by the Bible that when this transpires, when Elijah comes to bring forth the revelation of the Son of Man, the Scripture says that the church world will scoff at it. They will not believe it. And they will reject that ministry just as Israel rejected Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. In other words, we won't learn one thing from Israel that was blinded because of our sake. Now we are under the spirit of blindness. The Gentiles are blind, wretched, miserable, lukewarm, thinking that they are rich and increased with goods and got big churches and whatever more, but spiritually they are naked, blind, and don't even know it. Revelation chapter 5, we see the seals opened in heaven. 
Revelation chapter 8, we find there is silence in heaven. Revelation chapter 10, verses 1 to 7, we find that this angel that is in heaven, that the one, the lamb, the bloody lamb, Jesus come and took the book. He hands it to God who is on the throne, a pillar of fire. That God takes the book now opened by Jesus. He brings that book down here to earth, Revelation 10, 1 to 7. And he lifts up his hand and swears by heaven that time shall be no longer delayed. Now what time is not going to be delayed any longer? The fulfilling of the seven feasts to Israel. Israel has these promises. She was blinded for our sake. We wasn't this great special somebody that God loved us so much, whatever more. God always said through type that he wanted a Gentile bride. There's the story of Rebecca and some two brides, everything, Gentile bride all the way through. God is going to have a Gentile bride for his son. Don't take a bride here. You go over there and bring so and so more. Every type shows a Gentile bride. Israel is dealt with God by a chosen nation, a corporate group of people. He deals with them as a group. He deals with the Gentile bride as an individual. He can deal with one person in this building and leave everybody else's mind just as blank as a, a, a chalkboard. He can speak to one individual. They can see it clear as a bell. Their hearts will rejoice. Everybody else will be just a blank. You say, well, the, well how fair is it? Well, you, you talk it over with God whether he's fair or not, okay? I used to struggle with God being fair for a long time. He's finally said, just shut up and listen. And I said that to a church one time. If you just shut up and listen, half the church went home and said, I don't need to shut up. So I didn't mean it that way. But if we need to listen. Look up our redemption draweth nigh. As I said, be quiet. Look up the scriptures that deals with this time and season to see where you're at in the plan of redemption. Everybody can look up. As I said, all you're going to see is clouds, clear, clear sky, or sun. <laughs> look up something. All right. So at the Day of Atonement now, and this whole plan is dealing with Adam's sin. Adam put us in this mess. The second Adam has to get us out. The revelation of getting us out is what makes up the body of Christ as believers. So at the Day of Atonement, where the revelation of the sin question is settled, which only comes by the ministry of Jesus Christ being repeated in this hour, God come and identified Him in flesh in the man Jesus. He was the Son of Man. God manifested, revealed in flesh. So Son of Man is the Word being made known or revealed through a man in flesh. Paul was a prophet. The last age had to have a prophet. First, last. Paul, last day messenger. So the seventh messenger is the messenger of the seventh seal. All right. I know this is a lot of language, but this, this will... This will bring a revival if we'll just open it up and understand it. I, I listened to Perry Stone. He, he got close. He got all, a lot of the symbols. And, but he, 
they, they just believe there's seven years of tribulation and they believe that they're it and whatever more and they just, they just lose it. They won't accept a prophet. So we said that the opening started in 1963 and it was already open in heaven. Now if you've been in the message a long time you already understand all of this. But as far as we are concerned because we here on earth we were placed under a period of silence. We counted that silence for almost 20 something years. From 1965 until 1982 and 83, there was no hardly anyone understood what this silence was or what Brother Brown preached about the seventh seal. I believe the silence was actually broken here on earth to the bride in the early 1980, 81, 1983, something along in there. We were put on a period of silence, and Brother Brown witnessed this to himself, the fact that he was under the first and second fold of the seventh seal. So if you go back and listen to it, he said, we understand this part, we understand this part, but the third part, he couldn't get, because he said it went across in a vision in unknown tongues, he said, that part right there we don't understand as yet. So he declared himself that he was under the second fold of the seventh seal. And he was already under this period of silence because he said, I can't go any further now. Watch now. I can't go any further. I've got a note here. Stop. Go back and listen to the book. I've got a note here. Stop. So he come to that third part, which is a silence. And he was bound by that silence for a period of time. So therefore he realized that he was under the second fold of the seventh seal, but he understood also that that seal was opened and that God who was that seal would be here and by the seed that he planted, that revelation would unfold and grow in a bride until she absolutely seen herself as the mystery of that third part. Praise be to God. You've got to see yourself in the Word of God. The seventh seal was coming was the coming of the Lord, Revelation 10, 1 to 7. And that process started in Revelation chapter 5 by the opening of the book. And Jesus the man climbed up on the Father's throne and sat down. And Brother Bram said, in souls in prison, this took place at the opening of the seven seals. He climbed up on the Father's throne and sat down. He said, thanks be to God, we have a man... On the throne of God. Whew. If I've got a man on the throne of God. And as he, as he is so am I. Then I've already found mercy. I've already passed under judgment. I've already been judged. I've already been declared righteous. As he is so am I down here on earth. Praise be to God. When the bride realizes who she is and what she is. She'll get out of here. But it's got to come out of your mouth. You can know all this and read it over and over. But unless you confirm out of your mouth to bring it and confirm it to yourself, it will never be real to you. Watch. So the coming was underway. It was open. It was silent for quite a while. And then we would come to the sounding 
which would be the prophet opening it to our understanding what had transpired. He has to open to understanding what has already transpired. So Brother Branham indicated to us that he was under the first and second fold of the mystery, but he, he would have little to do with the third pull. Now this is where the message people draw their brakes in because they think that Brother Branham's got to come back from the grave to fulfill this third pull. And they said when the third pull comes and told the tent vision, all the symbolism, that he's got to come back. But the third pull is God here in bride form fulfilling the word as he said he would do in the bride, the church. And people just can't hardly embrace it. They can't hardly see it. Watch. He called this revelation. Let me see how I can put it. He called this union, this marriage, the invisible union. He called it a marriage. He called it a union. He called it headship. And the marriage takes place right here on earth. You have been shut in the holiest place. Now then, you're, if you're married, you're under the headship of God Himself. Think what that means. If you're under the headship, you're under His protection. You're under His provision. You're under His ministry. He clothes you. He feeds you. He protects you. He provides for you. He keeps all this junk away from you. The devil can scream. It can holler. But your mind has already been closed up. You cannot be deceived. You cannot be defiled. You have been set aside. You have been sealed. You have been designated as a fulfillment of God's Word. You are the sons and daughters of God. And the whole world is waiting for that revelation and manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. And it will be a voice, a testimony coming out of your mouth. We've got to break that silence. Watch. So the seventh seal... You mean it took me that long to get through the prelude? Come on. Karen, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get the sermon next week. The seventh seal simply means that Christ himself will come and reveal himself to the Gentile bride and reveals himself to the bride. And when he is revealed to us, then that is the opening of the seventh seal to you and I. Now, I took those notes. And wrote them down word for word that I put in a sermon in 1984. I taught this to the young people and to most of you in 1984. Word for word, I wrote it down word for word. This revelation for the last 30 years is what separated this understanding from everybody else. I'm going to put it like this. And I put it in the notes, and I shouldn't put it up, but I'll, I'll read it to you. We believe the seventh angel to this age has come forth with a message called a shout of 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, to give the bride a rapturing faith or a revelation. The seventh angel is the messenger of the seventh seal. If we do not see the seventh seal, then we have missed the seventh angel. Would that sound logical? You have missed his message. 
Can I recognize the messenger and miss his message? Absolutely. Because why? There's a season, and then there's a word in season. Almost every charismatic church, Pentecostal church, oneness, twoness, threeness, whatever you want to call themselves, called Pentecostal, will recognize and confess that they know William Bradham was the greatest miracle ministry supernatural that's ever struck the earth of any ministry. They'll tell you that his ministry was as close to Jesus Christ as any man that ever lived. But. They got a big but. But he was against organization. But he was a legalist. He hammered on women. But he was not a Trinitarian. But they would not receive the message. And like he said over and over, you think God would give me a ministry to open the blinded eyes, raise the dead right in front of you, miracle after miracle after miracle, and then allow me to teach you something that was an error. Well, if we got a God would do that, then we got a God that we don't know what's going on. What I'm trying to tell you, folks, is this. The secret rapture of the church has already transpired. You're under the second fold of that transformation. There's only one half of the stage yet. The resurrection stage has to appear to us. And when that transpired, the two will be one. Our bodies will be changed, and we will meet Jesus in the air and we will be the only ones that will see him. And we will be the only ones that will go. That will be the trump. Shout voice. Trump. That will be the trump that calls us out. That will be the trumpet to open up Israel under the last three feasts. Two prophets will come and do the same thing. Preach the same thing. And do the same thing that William Branham done to the Gentile church. All but 144,000 will turn it down. And they will miss it. Now, I'll say this for everyone in live streaming, Canada, everywhere else. I always like to say something in every sermon basically to cause people to get mad or do something with it. If you're waiting for something to happen, instead of resting on what has happened and resting on what has been revealed, then you are in the wrong season. You're still in Pentecost. The Spirit and the Bride says come. While it's still time. Would you stand with me this morning? I used to think that I could persuade people by debate, scripture, quotes, argument, are hollering louder than they holler to get people to understand and accept what the Word of God says. I understand now by election, by the Scripture, that there's no way that I can persuade you, talk you into it, 
or cause you to see something that you're not ordained to see. There is a time and season, and there is a seed for every season. And if the Word of God does not quicken your seed for this season, then your seed is for another season. It could be barley. It could be whatever more. I'm not telling you that you're lost. I'm telling you about seasons. And I got that in your notes, and we won't get to it. But we are in the last season. We're in an epical season where God fulfills the prophetic announcement of the resurrection and the rapture that is clearly defined that epic season, that defined period of time, that stated purpose, we're in that season where God is going to fulfill that scripture, that prophecy to us, period. I could spend the rest of the week showing you by America, by your news, and by, if you watch any news, especially, uh, I'm not going to call it names, but you've got one Catholic channel, Fox News, that basically uh, has a little bit of sense sometimes. The rest of it is just propaganda. The world, America, is under the judgment and the blindness by a spirit of delusion sent by God Himself. Second Thessalonians 1 7. He's turned over to reprobate mind and they will have a mind of delusion. They'll believe a lie or the lie and be damned. All the religious people, all the churches full, the Bible said they were deceived because they refused to accept the word in due season. You say, well, Brother Grass, critical, we love everybody. That's fine. I understand what you're saying. I understand proper language and courtesy and manners and everything else, but I'm talking about the Bible. Whether we're on this side of it, inside or outside or whatever more, that's the truth. Whether we make it or whether we don't make it, it's still the truth. We're in that period of time. And the way it's going now, it won't be six months or a year or that period that the rapture will take place. The tribulation will come. And it'll all be over in 1,260 days. But don't think it's going to be that easy. Even the squeeze we're going through now will get worse and worse. They get a cure for this virus, there'll be another one. And we've already seen what they'll do with viruses. They're going to shut it down and shut it down until they kill themselves. Amen. Fear will take us over. Fear. But that angel, when he comes, said, fear not. I come from the presence of the Lord. And I'm here with a message to tell you that you are the elect and called of Almighty God. How many believes that this morning? Are you in the holiest of all? You believe, there's, you believe there's light in Goshen? What are we going to say? In I don't know. What do you, I don't know whether I can sing that or not. Randall, you want to come up? Uh, Randall. Randy, you want to come up and sing this song, Days of Elijah? Forgive me for taking too long this morning. The prelude was a little longer than I thought. But... Uh, my message this morning was times and seasons to show you that we're in that proper season. But we'll get to it later if the Lord will let us see, understand it. But I think we'll transcend over to Aaron's rod next week or going farther into the understanding and symbolism. But have me realize where you're at in time. Amen. The picture is there. And we can recognize it by looking at the types. Keep your eye on Israel because they're the clock. Amen. Well, th these are the days.
Let's turn around and give Canada away this morning. Welcome them into the river. These are the days of Ichio. On a cloud, he's coming. Have you believed he's here this morning? Praise God. Is he with you today? Come on. Woo! Salvation Yes, Lord. Yes, they are. Harvest time. Come on. Oh, he comes. Hallelujah. Oh, the cloud. Yes, Lord. Glory to God. The cup is called. Lift your voice. I love Jubilee. And Salvation come. Behold, he comes. Oh, riding on a cloud. Shining like the sun. And the trumpet comes. Lift your voice. Oh, year of Jubilee. And Salvation come. There's no God like Jehovah. 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 Have you please that this morning? There's no God like Jehovah. Pour out thy spirit upon all the people. Behold, he comes, oh, riding on a cloud. Shining like the sun, as the trumpets call, lift your voice. The year of Jubilee, shun Let's bow our hearts for a word of prayer, would you? Father, we thank you for ministering to us this morning. We thank you for every soul that you set in this building, ordained before the foundation of the world. We don't understand your purpose of many things, but we understand that you're in charge. We thank you for the season that we're in, and we thank you for the revelation of the season. Help us and feed us, Lord. You are God and leading us to the millennium. We're united with you under your headship, and we call you Lord. So we pray that you would bless the people. 
And make the shield of your presence protect us against all the diseases, plagues, all these things that are in the world, bringing them to repentance. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for revelation. Thank you for your election. And thank you for the word you revealed to us in this hour. Be with us and bless us and all those things that we ask of you. And we believe that you will. And we ask it in Jesus' name and everybody said.